Good morning and good coffee today, everybody. Hey, it's time for some morning coffee with Larry, and I hope you are having a great day today and doing well. But before she leaves the room, I want to give a big shout out to my wife and say happy anniversary, sweetie. You put up with me for another year. And also a shout out to my cousin Brad, who is finally caught up to my age again. He does this every year. He catches up to my age. Uh, But a big shout out to him and hope you have a fantastic birthday today. Mmm. Coffee tastes good. Ah, but it is the 22nd of October, 2019. It's... I just say it every day. It's hard to believe. Every day I'm just surprised that we go another day into the year. Oh, so if you have on your, as a little friendly reminder, if you have like dental insurance, eye insurance, and you haven't used it this year, get in there and get it done before your time period is up. That's a reminder also to myself. I need new glasses and need to get in for a teeth cleaning. So... Well, today I want to get into continuing on our series uh, titled Doing Life with Your Adult Children by Jim Burns. I keep forgetting the title of it, but I'm remembering the name Jim Burns. Uh, So anyway, we are on, uh, this is again from a workshop that my wife and I attended at the AACC conference a couple of weeks ago. And uh, this particular uh, topic is the sixth one out of his worksheet that he gave us, worksheets, a packet. And uh, it starts off with uh, the, uh, the concept of when your grown child violates your values, you can't want it more than they want it. And he, he has a, uh, a little quote here that says, Good thing Easter is a season and not just a day because some resurrections take time. And that can be the case when you're thinking about an adult child who you know how you raised them, you know what your hopes and your dreams for were for them and uh, the various important values, ethics, morals that you, you tried to instill in them. And some of your kids, if you have multiple kids, may be following that pretty good. And others may not. <coughs> and uh, that, becomes, that becomes a challenge. Uh, how do you deal with um, an adult child, a grown child, who's violating your values? And there, there's a story regarding this, a biblical story, that probably everybody has heard of. Maybe not a lot of people remember it clearly, uh, but it's the story of the prodigal son. And the prodigal son was uh, a parable, and it may have been based on a true story at that time. Uh, We just don't know for sure 100%. And some people, the focus of the the story, or their focus is on the prodigal child, the child who you know, ventures away. And others see the story as the reactions of a loving father. But to give you a little synopsis, you had uh, a wealthy 
man who had two grown sons. And they were working on the family's farm, you could say. Modern equivalent would be family farm. And uh, the younger son said, Father, give me my inheritance now. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to go where things are, you know, louder and happier. I want to go to the big city. So I want my inheritance now. So back then there wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you went to the bank. It was probably involving selling off, uh, the father selling off of half of what he owned and giving that, uh, that money to, uh, to his son. Now, let me pause right there. I don't think a whole lot of us would be willing to do that at that point in time. Say, hey, you know, uh, got a kid who says, give me half of everything you own. I know you're not dead yet, but I want my inheritance now. Yeah, that just, <laughs> I don't see that happening, but that's what happened here. And the the parable says that he went off to a city. He spent his his money on wine and and women on prostitutes. Basically, he just went wild and went through every dime that his father had spent, you know, a lifetime of accumulation. Uh, but he went through all of his inheritance and finally found himself living in the gutter. Uh, he's uh, working as a farmer's hand, slopping pigs. And you got to take into account what that meant in uh, the Jewish culture of the first century. Pigs were an unclean animal, and you you didn't eat them. And here he is among people that apparently did, and he's having to feed them. And he's sitting there thinking, I am starving to death, and I would give anything just to eat what the pigs are eating. So he decides he's going to go back home and see if his father would be willing to take him on as a, a hired hand so that uh, he wouldn't starve to death. Now, the story flips over to the, to the father and says that the father sees him off at a distance. Well, what does that mean? That means that this dad never gave up on his son. He was looking for him. He knew what his son was going to do. He knew that his son was going to fall flat. He knew his son was going to just lose control, not do anything wise, and was waiting for him to come back. And so he was looking for him. He was anticipating that. And he saw him at a distance. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and hugged him and told the son, and the son told him, you know, Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Uh, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please, you know, so I don't starve with you. You know, make me a hired hand. And he said, no, you are my son who was lost and is found. And he put a, a robe around him. He uh, put a, a fine ring on his hand, you know, signifying you are my son, and brought him back and told the servants, kill the fattened calf because, you know, uh, you know we're going to celebrate my son's return. Now, 
this son had a big brother, and the big brother was faithful to his father, and he got honked off. He got a bit PO'd about this whole situation because he saw what his brother was doing. He knew it. He knew what was going to happen as well. And he, his, his dad says, why are you upset, son? He says, well, you know, look at me. I've been faithful to you. I've been working. I haven't done what my stupid brother has done. And uh, I can't even, you know, have a goat for my friends. And his father said, you know, I love you. Everything I have is yours. Your brother got his inheritance. Now when I'm gone, you will have everything that I own. But there's something more important than financial things. The fact that he was lost and now he's found is of greatest importance. Now, if you were following along the Bible, that was the Larry paraphrase. So uh, I may have embellished it a little. I may have forgotten a couple of things, but that's kind of what it is. And if uh, if I ask my listeners here, uh, raise your hand if you got a prodigal, because they may not have done quite the extent that this one did. But, you know, what what do you do when you've got an adult child that you can't quite send to their room until they change their attitude? What do you do? Well, that's one of the that's this this part here that Jim Burns talks about, and um, he uh, oh also he had listed down if you were going to look up the prodigal son story, it's from the book of Luke, chapter eleven, verses fifteen to thirty-two. But this is this is basically what what he tosses out as far as you know how does it work? How do you deal with? How do you work with? A um a prodigal child that's not just not following you, but they're violating your values. Well, the first thing he has on the list is offer your adult child tough love. What is tough love? Tough love is in essence what the father did whenever the son came back. And he talked about it with the uh uh, his other son. You love your child. You don't forget the love part. You love your child. And it's it's still, it's an unconditional love. You may not like what they do, but you still love them. You still love them and you don't want them to ever think that you don't love them. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because there's another thing from a different speaker I wanted to come back on. And hopefully... My brain will let me remember it. But the tough part is the follow-through with consequences. The follow-through with consequences. See, it'd be very tempting to, you know, this father want to share some of his wealth again with his son. But you know what? He's not doing that. He had his, he, he won his inheritance early. He gave it to him. Now everything else is his brother's. You see, sometimes our kids, if they are grown and they're misbehaving, and what does misbehaving look like? It can be anything under the sun. Maybe they're into drugs. Maybe they're, you know, they're they're living in flop houses, drug dens. Maybe they are getting into crime in order to pay for a drug habit. 
Maybe they're sleeping around with whoever they can find to sleep around with. Maybe it's, you know, there's, there can be a host of different kinds of things. Maybe they become, you know, a compulsive liar, a cheater. They're, uh, you know, all kinds of possible things. Well, what's the consequences? You know, like yesterday in talking about when you've got a kid who uh, doesn't want to launch, the idea of tough love. Well, you know what? You, if you're going to stay here, you've got to have a job or you've got to be in school. I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you know, as far as when you're an adult, you got to be responsible for yourself. You got to be working towards independence. If you're not going to, then no, you're not going to stay here. If you steal from us, then guess what? You're not going to be in the house. We love you. We'll meet you at a restaurant. We'll meet you at the park. But no, you know, you're not coming into the house. Yes, you grew up here, but you're not coming into the house if you're going to steal. You know, if you're going to use drugs, no, we're not letting you stay here if you're going to bring drugs in here. You're not, we're not going to let you continue in that behavior around us. You know, those are just some examples. So that's the tough love, and that's hard. I've coached a lot of parents. I've counseled a lot of parents on tough love, and I have had a lot of tears because they they knew that they were that the information was right and what they had to do, but they just didn't want to do it. I get that. But the thing is, if we don't, does that help the prodigal or does it hurt the prodigal? Next one is don't bail them out. Don't bail them out. They get in trouble with the law. They need to face the consequences of the law. They get a speeding ticket, which a lot of people get. Well, that's you didn't do anything to cause it. They need, to, they need to own up to that. If they are in jail because of breaking the law, then they need to own up to that. Bailing them out, is it, what's that going to be helping? What's that going to be helping? They need to face consequences of behaviors. Don't be a one-topic parent. Just because they're doing something wrong that you really, really disapprove of, and it's violating your values, don't make that the only thing you ever talk about with that child. There's more to their life than the one issue. Yes, this one may be a big one. Yes, this one may be the thing that gets under your skin the most. But you know what? That one thing is not your entire child. That's not your entire entire child. Be kind of like you know, like when they were in school. Let's say your favorite subject is math. Do you only have your child taught math? Is that the only thing you will talk to your child about regarding school? Don't bother me with the stuff you're interested in. I'm most concerned about your math. No, you don't do that. But that can be what we have if there's something with a child that. Um, really, really, really bugs you? Well, you know what? There's other parts to the child. Don't be a one-topic parent. The next is don't dump your anger and frustration on them. They may make you angry. They may make you frustrated. But if that's all they see when they're around you, who do you think they're going to start avoiding? If you're wondering why your child isn't around you much, 
There could be various reasons, but maybe that's one of the things that you need to to kind of check yourself on, do a little self-assessment. Are you dumping your anger and your frustration on them? There's a difference between confronting and dumping. Confronting is done in a constructive, positive way to try to get to, to, uh, to positive change. Dumping is when you just keep emptying yourself and emptying yourself and emptying yourself. And just imagine you've got a shovel and you're just shoveling all this dirt around them and it just keeps getting more and more. Next thing you know, they're up to their waist. Now they're up to their chest. Now they're up to their neck. And you've still got a few more shovels that you'd like to dump on them. Yeah. So don't dump your anger and frustration on them. Unless you want to totally destroy what they may not always see, but is one of the the most important relationships that they will ever have in their life, and that is the relationship with their parent. Next is find support for yourself. Yeah, you've spent how many years, decades, trying to raise a child that's, you know, you know, going to be a, a fantastic kid, fantastic adult. That's what you're hoping for. And it isn't happening the way you planned. Get some support for yourself. Talk to a good friend. Talk to a pastor, to a priest. Talk to, you know, counselor. Get some, get some counsel from many. Talk to other people who've been through this and have come through the other side with some success. Seek wise counsel. There's wisdom in the counsel of many, which simply means don't take all your advice from only one person. Get support for yourself. Find wisdom and counsel with the difficult issues. Do some research on it. Get some ideas. If you got a kid who's involved in substance abuse, go to an Al-Anon meeting. Uh, go, you know, go to some different support groups. Celebrate recovery, uh, you know, for substance abuse issues. If you've got a child who, you know, I mean, just there's a variety of different. Go, go out on Facebook. There's a lot of different communities that have popped up on very specific issues, and sometimes you can find some good support and encouragement there. Relinquish your children to God's care. Sometimes, even though you know you know the answer, sometimes they can't hear it from you. That hurts because you've tried to raise them and teach them and be that person, even though you haven't done it perfectly. You're still, you've still tried and put your heart into it. But you know what? There's times when you just got to relinquish your children to God's care and let God put those people into your child's life and pray and pray that he does. Ask him. Now, he continued on, and I'm going to get into this, although we've gone, you know, just about 20 minutes now for today. I want to touch base on this because this is something we see a lot lot more than what we did before. Uh, if you, you know, are, you know, if you regularly attend a church, if your family attends a church, if this is how you raised your kids um, in the church, what happens when your child strays from the faith? 
that can be an extremely painful thing because if you have a strong faith, you know, you have it for reasons and you have certain beliefs regarding that. And this is kind of what he terms the anatomy of of a lost faith. And it's kind of like step by step, what, what commonly happens? The first step of losing one's faith is neglect. Neglect. In essence, the person here, we're talking about the adult child, they don't go to church. They just stop for whatever reason. Don't like the new pastor. Um, doesn't fit in, isn't convenient. I have to work on Sunday mornings. Um, uh, they say things that I don't always agree with. So they make a decision. They stop going to church. That's neglect. Second step is drift. They drift away from God. You know, it's kind of like if you move away from a town, your best friend you may try to keep up with on Facebook or on the phone calls, video chat. But the less you're involved with them, the less you see them, well, you just kind of start drifting away. And so when kids stop attending church, but there's other things that they're still doing, now they start drifting away from God. Not that God is only found in church, but when you find God in church and you're there on a regular, consistent basis, and along with you know the church community, that keeps God more and more present in your life. And when you drift away from God, he just becomes less and less influential. And consequently, other things become more and more influential. The next step is unbelief or a lack of trust. And this is when, you know, we, we, you know we're, we've been drifting away and now we've lost that close relationship with God. When we have struggles, when we have challenges, we don't think of him first. We don't think of him second. We don't have that same close relationship. We may acknowledge God exists, but there's not a relationship. It's the, the, or the relationship is, it hasn't been lost yet, but it's, it's, it's being lost. Then there's disobedience. That's the fourth step. And disobedience is when your child chooses the opposite. They've they've grown up. They've learned what the Bible says. They've learned, you know, for example, the Ten Commandments. They've learned, you know, right from wrong. And with disobedience, they're now making a choice to do wrong. They're making a choice to do the opposite of what God says. The next step, once a person has been doing that, the next step is they become dull of hearing. They either ignore the prompting of God in their life, they ignore the voice of God, you know, trying to redirect them, or they simply can't hear God anymore. They, um, it's kind of like, how would I describe it? You, um, 
There may be a person that you knew their voice. You could pick it out of a crowd. If you've got kids, parents, you, you can pick your kid out of a crowd. You can pick your, if you got little ones, you were able to pick out your kid crying over any other crying going on. Well, after disobedience, there's this dull of hearing. You, you just don't recognize God's voice anymore. You don't recognize the thoughts that he gives you. And then finally, the last step is forfeiting your spiritual purpose. And that's simply, they're lost. They are lost. Um, they've lost their relationship with God. You know, there's a biblical story of the good shepherd who has a hundred sheep and one of them is missing. A little lamb is missing. And so the shepherd leaves the 99 to go find the lost sheep. And it may be down a hole. It may be caught in briars, but it's stuck. It's lost. And, um, that's where, I think for parents who have a child that's lost, you still don't give up. You got to follow the model of the good shepherd and keep after him and keep praying and pray that God brings more and more people into their lives so they can start hearing the voice of God again. All right. Well, that's all he had regarding when your child, when your grown child violates your values. Um, this isn't as happy of a topic, is it? This one is a little harder. You know, I think of people, I think of, you know, people that I personally know. I think of my family. I think of other families. And, um, this may be happening for you. This, this one may be hitting home for some of you out there. And if so, I hope it's an encouragement. I hope it, there's some tips or ideas that, that you can, um, that you can focus on. And again, remember um, the, the thing I said at the beginning, good thing that Easter is, in, is a season and not just a day because some resurrections take time. Some changes, some positive changes in your grown children take time. All right. Well, we will meet you again for some coffee tomorrow. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye.